when, when love is the way, unselfish, sacrificial, redemptive, when love is the way, then no child will go to bed hungry in this world ever again. When love is the way, we will let justice roll down like a mighty stream and righteousness like an ever-flowing brook. When love is the way, poverty will become history. When love is the way, the earth will be a sanctuary. When love is the way, we will lay down our swords and shields down by the riverside to study war no more. That was just one snippet of the dynamic sermon titled The Power of Love from the 2018 Royal Wedding of Prince Harry and Duchess Meghan Markle, delivered by the presiding bishop and primate of the Episcopal Church, Bishop Michael B. Curry. I was one of the billions of people who were captivated by his words that Saturday morning. And as I sat there, I knew that I had to meet him and be in his presence. That same year, I was a sophomore at an Episcopal school in Atlanta. Much to my surprise, I requested and was granted to have a one-on-one -on -one interview with the presiding bishop. I was overjoyed. Not only did he deliver the sermon at the royal wedding, but he is also the first African-American presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. My interview with the bishop that day remains one of my most precious memories, and I am still so honored. On April 30th of this year, I was a participant in the interfaith service for the inauguration of Dr. Helene D. Gale, the 11th president of the college I currently attend, Spelman College. In a twist of fate, the president and the presiding bishop are friends and grew up together in the same neighborhood in the state of New York. He gave another dynamic sermon for the inauguration interview service, and that day, we were reunited. Sometimes, I feel like we were always meant to know each other. Once again, the bishop graciously agreed to sit down for an interview with me, and we had an incredible conversation. Five years later, here's my conversation with the phenomenal presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, Michael B. Curry. Well, thank you so much for um, taking a moment out of your busy schedule to speak with me. Sure. Glad to do it. Yeah. And my first question for you is, how are you? I know you've been ill. You know, we love you. We've been praying for you. Oh, so thank you. I just want to know how you've been doing. Well, I'm coming along, um, you know, had some heart issues and um, issues with an adrenal gland, which I vaguely knew I had two. We all have two of them. Um, and one of them was acting up. And uh, so they're working on that and working on the heart uh, cardiac issues and between the different sets of doctors. And um, I, I, I like to say that um, I am making uh, enough of a contribution to the American Medical Association that I ought to get an award at their next annual conference for meritorious contribution. <laughs> so I'm coming along, all the prayers and but good prayer, good care and good medical care. You put all that together. Um, so I'm very blessed and, and thank you for praying, Rebecca. Of course, that you are, Bishop. I'm, I'm so glad you're coming along well. Um, so I know you're busy, so we'll just jump right in. Yeah, so, Yeah, so back when I interviewed you on November 8th, 2018, if you can believe it's been eight years. It's been, good Lord. I mean, four years. Wow. It's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I remember. That's, yeah, yeah, that, that was insane. It, it was such a huge moment for me back then. I was, I was a sophomore in high school and mm -hmm. yeah. And, and when we woke up that morning, 
We woke up to hearing that a mass shooting had occurred at a bar in, Cal- in California that college students frequented. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, and 13 people were killed, and including an officer. And it was so shocking. And I remember that day, my first question to you was, why do hurt people hurt people? And even now, I can't even keep up with what's going on. The U.S. has faced over 400 shootings as of now, and it's only July. So my first question for you is, why do you believe that this is occurring more than ever? And do you believe that we're going to become numb to it? Uh, I have a fear that we'll become numb um, more and more. (laughs) Um, uh, Say the question again. I want to make sure I answer what you asked me. Say it again. Yeah. Why do you believe that gun violence is occurring more than ever? And do you believe that we're going to become numb to it? Yeah, I I do think um, there there are some practical reasons. Um, and and then there are some deeper psychological and spiritual reasons. Now, I'm just I'll just deal with the United States because there are issues around the world. But we're number one um, in escalation of gun violence. Um, part of it has to do with the ready accessibility of guns. Um, um, and to, to virtually anybody, with exception of some states that uh, require background states. But until we have background checks nationally um, and that kind of thing nationally and some common um, standards um, uh, for gun ownership and gun use and that kind of thing, we're going to still continue to be in this problematic um, life because guns are readily accessible. They're readily accessible in almost most places, um, it means you can see, you see people walking around the grocery store with a gun on their side, like this is the old West, which means these weapons are readily available and accessible for people um, in a variety of context and abilities to manage them well, so that, so that people finding themselves in anger, um, guns readily accessible. Um, yeah, I remember when I was a kid, at most, you heard about somebody pulling out a knife on somebody. Um, you know, there were maybe guns and bank robberies or something, but y- y- there weren't gun, a lot of guns on the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm 70 years old, so that was a while back, but there weren't. And so as a result, you didn't have a lot of killings. Well, now there are guns available everywhere, all over the place, um, legally and illegally. So the ready availability of guns is, is part of, is one of the drivers. The other thing is that we have, um, and I don't think this is as much a moral thing for the people involved, it, we have not monitored and provided assistance for troubled folk. Um, and so you have troubled folk, um, whether it's mental illnesses that are untreated and uncared for, who can readily get um, guns and weapons and high-powered guns that, that are meant only for military. They're meant for killing a lot of people in a matter of seconds. Well, why in the world are those on the streets of the America, of American cities? That does it. You, 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 you can own a gun. You don't need a high-powered gun. But imagine when you put that in the hands of folk who may be unstable and make it readily available. Uh, so, so you add that, and then there are a number of of other issues and concerns. I do think part of we have part of this is involved in a culture of violence, um, and and some of that does have to do with gaming. Some of that does have to do with with mass media. Um, uh, we have 
we get numb to certain levels of violence and 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 on certain levels some video stuff numbs you to killing it, it, you know it can it can i don't mean it always does but it can so mm -hmm. we've got a culture of violence um that is feeding the ready availability of guns that's not taking into account who should have those weapons and who should not um and anyway you go on and on like that and i do think the deeper the culture of violence maybe feeding this as much as anything else and and the uh, dealing with a culture becomes a psychological in terms of social psychology in terms of spirituality and morality and until we deal with that which has to do with how do we live together and what is sacred for us um well i think human beings are let's just start there um and and helping to inculcate that in children from from the time they come out of their mama's womb, uh, the first day they get in a social environment um, and school, incorporating that um, um, kind of so a basic moral framework. And I'm not talking about having to go all the way any particular religion. There's some common values um, about human beings, um, about the world we live in, about the society we have. We have a democratic, we believe in democratic values in this country, at least I think most of us do. Um, well, those values presuppose the worth of, of the human being, of the human person. And so until we re-engage those values, I think we're going to, so you've got a lot of things going on. You've got ready accessibility. Um, you've got government policy that uh, feeds that. You've got uh, a neglect of folk who are troubled and struggling. Um, and, and then you've got the deeper cultural violence and the potential for um, uh, moral, spiritual, and psychological um, engagement, um, which is not being done. Put all that together and you've got dynamite. Absolutely. And now here in Georgia, speaking of which, I feel like we just got a break from campaigns for governor and yeah. Senate. And yeah. now we're coming into 2024, you know, we're about to head into another campaign for the presidency. And I just feel like all this division is just exhausting. It's, you know, it's been exhausting yeah. for years. And so if I feel so exhausted with all this division going on. I know that others are too. And so my next question for you is, as a leader, what is your advice for how do you help others when you're going through the same thing? Where do we begin? Well, you know, I mean, one thing I am very aware of, um, and, and the pandemic heightened it for me on some levels. Um, we need genuine and healthy human community. Um, the, the, the first negative word in the Bible um, is spoken by God in the story of, of Adam and Eve. Everything up to that point, everything is positive. I um, mean, you, know, you get Genesis 1. Um, you know, as God, and it's a poem, but as, as the poem unfolds and God creates different things, the, the poet says, and God saw what he had made and it was good. And, and, you know, you have the seven days of creation, you get to the seventh day, and then it says, God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. Everything's positive up to that point. Then you get the story of the creation of the first human one, which is Adam, which we think we often read that as gender. It's actually not about gender. Um, Adama, the Hebrew word means the human one. <laughs> um, and I mean, it doesn't mean the male one. It means the human one. And so um, as the story unfolds, 
you get the first negative word because God only creates one human one. Um, we give him the name Adam. Um, and, and as that story unfolds, God says it is not good for the human one to be alone. Hmm. It's the oh. first negative word in the Bible. You get creation, which tells us that as Aristotle and other folk would say, human beings were made for the polis, for the community, for, for healthy community that helps us live. Um, 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 Archbishop Tutu um, in South Africa, reflecting the culture of, of Southern Africa, many of the traditional cultures use the word Ubuntu um to 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 teach about the need the interrelationship between the community and the individual um you know descartes may have been good, good at math but he was wrong when he said i think therefore i am ubuntu says i am because we are you see what i mean that's a different way of living and human beings i think what the bible's trying to tell us in those stories is not about science um it's about the basic constituency of what can make human beings human. And part of that is being in community, in healthy, loving environments um, that make human life livable. And without that, we become self-destructive, you know, as a society, as a community. And that feeds into all of the, the negativity that you're describing. Um, you know, when I was a, a parish priest in, in Baltimore, we were street gangs and usually related some sometimes related to drugs but street gangs um one of the things i realized in in working with kids i mean these were you know teenagers but but in working with kids was the gangs became attractive because they became substitute families it was a place where you mattered a a, a place where you were somebody these were your bros, your, 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 bro. you think about it. That's a substitute. It's not a healthy substitute, but it is a sub which reflects the need for human beings. It is not good for the human ones to be alone. Um, and I, 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 that was awakened in me. Um, I got woke during the pandemic when we were isolated and I realized how unhealthy it was, even though it was healthy, um, in terms of physical self, and that was it was necessary, but how unhealthy it is psychologically and spiritually, emotionally, in all those other respects for people to be separated from each other. Um, for children, it's particularly critical. It's critical for all of us, but particularly critical for children. They learn from interactions with others. That's how they learn. Um, and so, anyway, that's a long answer for for a profound question that you asked, and the root of it. Um, I really do think is the loss of human community and all, everything that makes that healthy and vibrant. I think you're definitely right. And thank you so much for your wisdom. Oh, thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Of course. And so I just want to touch those subjects first and just get them out of the way. So now, yeah. on, a, <laughs> so now on a lighter note, I want to know, my audience wants to know, who is Michael Curry, specifically before becoming the bishop? Were you Michael? Were you Bruce? Tell us about who you were. <laughs> well, I think I was Mikey for a while when I was really little. And when I was in trouble and my parents where I did something wrong, I would be Michael Bruce. My middle name is Bruce. <laughs> Michael Bruce, I knew I had done something wrong or I had gotten caught doing something. Um, and then I was Mike, Michael. Uh, before that, I grew up, um, um, I actually grew up in Buffalo, New York. 
um, and have been a fan of the Buffalo Bills since 1962, I think it was, when they started the old American Football League, the AFL. They merged it now into the NFL. But but I grew up there. Um, uh, my dad was an Episcopal priest, and my mother was a math teacher. And, um, you know, grew up in a fairly, nothing unusual. I mean, it was fairly typical for, for, for Black folk in those days. I mean, again, even in Buffalo, we, we lived in segregated areas. I mean, Black folk pretty much lived in East Buffalo. Um, and uh, where I grew up uh, with the, the president of Spelman, we all grew up in the same neighborhood. We grew up together, quite literally. Um, and so kind of grew up in, in that environment. Um, and, and one of the good things that, that helped was like, I, I remember having role models around, and at the time I, did, I wasn't aware of it, but around who modeled adulthood. Um, and for a guy who modeled what it means to be um, well, now a man, but, but you know what I mean? Who modeled that in, in healthy ways, uh, not self-destructive ways. Um, I'm really concerned for, for our young men now. Um, 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 African-American young men, man, anyway, I, oh, that's a tangent. But, but anyway, <laughs> I, I happened, I was blessed to have grown up with good, healthy role models. Um, and, and people who were concerned about their families. Um, I mean, that's both men and women now, concerned about their families grew up around women who were achieving and, and striving. Um, you know, they were mothers and all that stuff too, but they were go-getters. They were, I mean, they were, I grew up around that. Um, I grew up with a father who was a positive role model and all of that. Uh, grew up with people who were concerned not only about their families, um, about themselves, which is important. I'm, I'm not putting it down, but they also were concerned about beyond themselves. Um, that, that, um, the parents of of people of of our parents were friends. I mean, um, uh, President Gale. I mean, her her family and a lot of the people who were at her inauguration. Um, our folk were involved in civil rights work, um, and they were passionate about that. And I mean, I remember there was a boycott of schools. Uh, the the black preachers uh, led a boycott of the public schools there. And I, you know, I've actually forgotten what's. But there had been an incident or a series of incidents of. Um, of a principal abusing and I mean physically um, harming black kids and anyway not, nothing seemed to be happening apparently and I gathered the negotiations about that incident as well as a number of other incidents that were happening in the school system and so the preachers decided to boycott to pull all the kids out and I remember um, the night before um, um, I, I, my, my daddy sat my sister and I sat us down and um, was telling us, look, you need to understand, you you know, um, tomorrow there'll be the boycott of schools. Well, we knew that. And he said, look, I may have to go to jail tomorrow. It depends on how this unfolds. I remember my sister, my she was my little sister. She said, well, what did you do? I mean, <laughs> like this was time out. But <laughs> so, you know, I don't know what he said, but he explained something. And um, so I, I remember saying to him, I said, so we don't have to go to school tomorrow? <laughs> he said, no, you'll go to freedom school. I said, wait a minute. Oh, I thought she said we didn't have to go to school. <laughs> well, we went to Freedom School um, instead of George Washington. It was Harriet Tubman. And you know what I mean? You you went to Freedom School uh, where you were taught. I mean, I don't remember specific things of what we learned, but I know I remember the name of where we were. We were in Freedom School and it was located in a church. Um, the churches in the various neighborhoods um, housed these. Um, there were folk there who were watching us and we were being instructed. We were learning um, partially about our history, but we were also learning about the values 
um, of, of freedom and equality and human dignity and justice and compassion. And kind. we were actually learning that stuff. You know, as a kid, you're sort of like, oh man, when are we going home? You know, I mean, <laughs> and yeah, I was, I was blessed. And so it's part of who Michael Curry is now at 70 years old, um, who, who can't quit that stuff. I can't give that up. Um, it's too important. And, you know, who, I mean, I remember my daddy at one point, I don't know, I don't remember the real circumstances, but I, but, but I, I, I didn't say, he asked me to do something. I didn't want to do it. And, but my face must've shown that I didn't want to do it. I can, you didn't talk back to parents. And so I didn't say anything, but obviously I was betrayed by my continence. And, <laughs> Um, he just kind of blurted out, you know, the Lord didn't put you here just to consume oxygen. And which in a brilliant kind of way, and I know he didn't think about it ahead of time and it wasn't, you know, a philosophical, it was a parental reaction, but he was actually right. We're, you know, we are here partially um, to, to, to receive, to receive oxygen. And yet we are also here to give. Um, we release carbon dioxide, which the plants take and they take intake our carbon dioxide and they release oxygen. We're here to both give and receive, not to just receive, not to just consume, not to just be me, me, me. This is going back to Tutu's Ubuntu. Uh, we are here to be part of, of a world, of a society, of communities, of families, um, and we're here to both give and receive. To, we're here to be loved and we are here to love, to be, to love. And um, so I learned, grew up learning that. So grew up knowing that, all right, I'm not here just to consume the oxygen. And, you know, when I retire in another year, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to keep on uh, doing the work. And because that's what you do until the Lord calls you home, um, you know, or you're unable to do it physically, so, uh, you know. And so all of that, I mean, now looking back, I'm just very aware. Um, it's kind of Mahalia Jackson used to have this song, uh, Look Back in Wonder. Um, how I got over, you know, and I, I do know that I was blessed as a child to have that kind of world. It wasn't perfect. And I mean, it wasn't always hunky dory, but, but to have grown up in that, um, which formed who I am, I hope and pray even today. I, I think it definitely did Bishop. Oh, you are so kind. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. Yeah, I can definitely see how you and President Gill turned out the way you did. <laughs> yeah, but she's a lot smarter than I am. So, so, so she was really bright. She's incredible. She always was. <laughs> you guys are both very brilliant. Oh, yeah. She, she, and and she, and you know what's amazing is that little community in Buffalo produced a number of people like her. I mean, we, there's a oh. whole generation of us out there. A lot of them were there at her inauguration. Um, mm -hmm. And you think about, wow, okay, that community, I'm not sure the people in that community, we were even aware of how we were being formed and shaped um, to serve in whatever venue of life you, whatever that is, you can serve as a banker <laughs> and you can serve as a housekeeper. Um, I mean, you, but, but however you do that, um, serve. Uh, don't just live for self. Take care of yourself. That's important. But don't just live for self. Um, like there's a prayer in the Episcopal prayer book that says, um, not for self alone. Mm. Wow. That's beautiful. And so, of course, now you are the first Black presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. And of course, you know, 
you were well known, um, especially by the Episcopal Church. But can you tell us about a small little wedding that truly put you on the map? Now, I, now I had known you before, but my mom yeah. got up that morning, you know, to watch the wedding and support. Did she really? Oh. Yeah, 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 she did uh, in support of Meghan Markle. So, yeah. you, know, you know, of course, you know, we, you know, she and I, we watched the entire uh, proceedings and ceremony and everything. And then, you know, it came time, you know, for your sermon. And then she started watching and then she said, do they do they produce preachers like this in the UK? I mean, she was absolutely <laughs> surprised. You know, she heard this man preaching and thought, you know, he's he's incredible. And, you know, everybody was just mesmerized that day. And, oh. you know, um, people knew you wow. before, but they didn't know you yet on that scale. So when you did that little wedding, everyone was absolutely captivated and mesmerized, mm. you know, by mm. who this, you know, Bishop was. And so everyone, including Megan. So uh, yeah. with, that, <laughs> with that saying, you know, take us, take us back to that day. Can you talk to us, you know, mm. about your sermon on love? You know, people sure. needed it then and they need it now. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was a real privilege to be able to to participate in that way. Um, um, they are a wonderful couple. They are. They really are, um, and they really do love each other. Um, and and that's been over time. And uh, I don't believe everything that's in the tabloids, <laughs> but but they 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 really do. Um, and and so I was aware of that before the day, um, but I was also aware that 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 this was a um there was something bigger going on um in that in the in the sense that um you know megan is biracial harry is you know typically white british of i mean he's from the sort of the original stock if you will there are a whole lot of worlds coming together just in the two of them they represented a variety of worlds um that the 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 their marriage in the royal line um represents a, a whole history um uh, much of it good but not all of it good and there's a whole colonial history um there's a history of empire um of you know conquest of nations and then you know i mean there's a whole thing whole history and there's good there really is there's good uh, but there's not there's other sides of that ledger that's not good. So so you have all of that mixed in, and then you have this fat fascination. I think with with the royal family. I mean uh, I mean Americans are more <laughs> incredibly fascinated with the royal family, um, and and um, you would think we never won the Revolutionary War, but <laughs> it's it's fascinating. So you have that going on, and it, there is a worldwide. Some of it um, was a, certainly around um, Her Majesty before she died. She was much beloved. Um, I mean, and 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 rightly so. Um, but I think Princess Diana had a lot to do with that. Um, Prince Harry's mother. I think yeah. she had a lot to do with that. Um, people loved her. Um, so you have all this stuff coming together, and the fact that. At, they told us ahead of time there would be at least one billion, where I think there were a couple of billion people actually watching this thing. Um, I mean, I can't even imagine. And, and people of all religious traditions um, or of no religious tradition, just people of goodwill and 
you know, people trying to live their lives and do this kind of stuff we were talking about to give as well as to receive. Um, and and all of that was going on in that one moment in a religious ceremony. Um, and I realized you got to say something that can speak to these worlds and how these worlds can learn to live together and how we can make it together. We will not, um, for good or ill, we are in this together, even though oftentimes we don't realize we are. Um, and the reality of climate change is reminding us we are in this together and we will either fix it together or we'll get fixed by it. And Dr. King said, we will either learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or we will perish together as fools. The choice is ours, chaos or community. And, and I think that's true. So I was aware of that going in. I was aware of being a black man, an African-American man, a descendant of, of slaves, enslaved um, in part by the very empire that built the chapel where I was gonna be in preaching. Yeah. And so I was aware of all of that. I mean, you put all that together. What do you say? What can you say um, to a world um, crying for help? And, and that's where I went back to what I believe is the root and the core of the Christian faith. Um, and, and, and when you distill it, if you look and listen to the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth and and his way, both teachings in terms of actual verbal, verbalized teachings, but also in the way he lived and engaged people. Um, if you look at that, which is the core of Christianity, Christianity didn't doesn't exist without Jesus. Um, and and so if you look at Jesus, you actually will see someone whose entire life was premised um, on unselfish sacrificial love that seeks the good and well-being of others as well as the self and i said aha there's the common there's the common thing that that's common to everybody because love is not love is um truly ecumenical love is truly interfaith love is truly bipartisan love is truly multi whatever language you use the reality is love is something that everybody needs with it, we thrive. Without it, God help us. And um, I remember seeing this movie, oh, it's years ago with uh, Anthony, oh, I can't even remember his last name. It's called In the Shoes of the Fisherman. It was like an, back from the early 60s. And in it, this, this Roman Catholic cardinal who was in the old uh, Soviet Union, and he had been in prison, and he, and he comes out, or he, they, they were able to get him out of prison um, in Siberia um for his stands and his public witness and at one point uh, somebody asked him i can't remember i think it was the guy who actually oversaw his imprisonment he says well what did you learn in prison he learned that without love i am like a grape on a dying vine that withers and decays mm. it's true that human beings thrive on love um, and without it, we wither and decay. And I believe that that's the case because the source of all of our lives is the God who the Bible actually says is love. It doesn't say love is the is God. It says that God is love, um, that that is the very heart and soul and nature of God. And if that's true, 
and God is the source who, of our lives and of this world, God is the creator, then that means we were created by the hand of love and therefore meant to live in the love in which we were created. So that became the, the I knew what the, I knew that was the message, how it got framed and all that kind of stuff came later. But when I got clear about that, it took me a while to kind of think through, who am I talking to? What What's common to all of us? What is our faith um, as, as followers of Jesus, as Christians? How does that help us? And, and how does that help all of us, not just people who are Christian, but actually all of us? And so that's where um, I went back to that, to that um, a, a little known quote of, of Dr. King's um, uh, about the power of love. Wow. You know, that's such, it's such an incredible message that still stands and it's, it's timeless. I think it is, it is, it is. It's cause it's, it's, it, some of the dilemmas we were talking about earlier, gun violence, violence, um, bigotry, uh, all the all the stuff that we're dealing with, love isn't the source of it. Mm, right. Think about right. It. Love is not the source of any of it. In fact, love is the cure. Practical love, <laughs> you know, I mean, practical love um, is it is the cure. And so I even went back to that that that, that old spiritual. There is a bomb in Gilead. Um, which was, you know, because I said, I'm going to bring the ancestors here because they're going to come with me here. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and aside from that, the wisdom of the ancestors about the healing power of love, you know, for people enslaved to recognize that they weren't enslaved because they did anything. They were enslaved because this is the power of selfishness. Um, a selfishness that enslaves and mistreats other human beings um, and and does so only for self. And love is the opposite of that. It's for, you know, it's 1 Corinthians 13. Love is not jealous. Love is not rude. Love does not insist on its own, on its own way. Um, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. I mean, that's, that's what well, that, that's that's Jesus stuff. That's and 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 yet Jesus got it from his Hebrew heritage. So mm -hmm. see, it's already ecumenical. I mean, he he, he learned that from Moses, um, who also who led the freedom struggle. So somebody mm -hmm. who was talking about love led folk out of slavery to freedom. That's man, that's powerful stuff, um, it and it's universal. It is. It is. And thank you for that message. Now, now there's something else I want to know about your sermons. You know, I've seen you, I've had the pleasure of seeing you preach in person twice, uh, once back in 2018 at, oh, yeah. yeah, in Atlanta. You're, you're in and, high school. Yeah, I was in high school. And then <laughs> in college at the president's inaugural interfaith service uh -huh. a few months ago in April. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now the first time I saw you speak in high school, you spoke about a cat and a mouse and that I, I mean it, of oh, course it just yeah. captivated the whole audience and then <laughs> this this um the next time a few months ago i think you spoke about a wolf oh yeah yeah and, yeah and, and, and so bear cub. yeah <laughs> yeah and bear cub and so i, I want to know what what makes you speak on animals that seems to be a very common theme it is a theme I, yeah, fascinating. I, I hadn't thought about that it 
Um, well, it, it happens. Well, one of the things, um, as I do actually watch the Animal Planet. I mean, I love to watch it because it's kind of like a nice diversion. And it's all it's fascinating to look at the psychology of animals. And I mean, I grew up around well, dogs and cats, not a brown. I didn't grow up on a farm, grew up in the city, but but grew up around animals. And, you know, there is something you can watch. It's like um, being able to see yourself watching others. Um, you know what I mean? Parents do that with their kids. You actually some of the stuff that drives you crazy is because you're seeing yourself in them. That's that's really what's going on. And so you can kind of have a um, a more detached look, if you will, um, because it's not me doing it. It's these animals doing it. Um, and and so I've always just loved the animal planet uh, for that. It's just fascinating. I mean, sometimes there's nothing, you know, particularly significant. It's just, you know, one animal eating the other one. But, but a lot of times there are these incredible stories. I remember an, another one that I've never actually preached on was with, um, um, it was a, a, a mother zebra and she lost her cub. I don't know if you call it baby zebra cub or whatever. Anyway, he got lost. Um, and she did eventually find him. Um, but uh, she she literally had to leave the other zebras to find that other one. And I mean, a zebra by himself is pretty vulnerable um, and hyenas. I mean, they, they are vulnerable. And somehow the cameras followed this. She didn't quit. Now, what's going on there? Is that just um, nature? Or is that a mother with her child? Mm -hmm. And if there's ever a sign of love, it's primal. <laughs> it's a mama and her baby. And that, I mean, and, and she, the fascinating thing is, I whether she, whether a zebra is aware of this, I have no idea. She was willing to be vulnerable and even potentially lose her own life to try to save her child's life. Wow, that that's I mean. So anyway, actually, I think yeah. That, thank you. You just said you helped me. How I know how I'll preach it now, but it. But I see you see those kinds of things all the time, as well as you know a crocodile. Uh, eating something you know i mean there's that kind of stuff too but there's more going on which does make you think you know well we were all made by the we, we are interconnected um you know the same god created all of us is the source of all of our lives um you know and i'm not quite sure how rats and cockroaches fit into the equation but <laughs> But the source of life, um, and um, th there is some, especially in higher forms. Um, I'm not really talking about insects, but the higher forms. I, um, um, oh, oh, um, uh, the um, the gorillas. I'm not gonna say the gorilla lady. Um, I can't remember when. I've got a book behind me. Oh, oh, Jane Goodall. Lord, I hope she doesn't see this. Jane Goodall, um, and her her whole life, much of her life, was around saving. Um, the gorillas who were being slaughtered and uh, could become extinct and were being harmed. And she, um, I mean, I think she's an, she's an anthropologist, but she was, her research and a lot of the work she did has led to the saving of gorillas. Well, do you realize how intelligent gorillas are? That, that we are related to them somehow. <laughs> and we are. 
Uh, I remember watching this. Uh, this was another. Um, it was on Animal Planet. It was about a a gorilla, female gorilla, who was she was in a hostel. I mean, she wasn't out in the wild, but she was in a or whatever you call it um, refuge, um, and she was being cared for, and she was dying. Um, and the man, I think he was from the Netherlands. From he was a, a, a veterinarian or researcher from the Netherlands who had cared for her she grew up apparently she grew up in the refuge and grew up around people and he had cared for her as a a baby and you know young young child whatever a young gorilla whatever you call it. and then he went i guess back to holland or wherever and you know probably taught at some university well he was back while she was dying and at first um the gorilla she she wasn't she wasn't eating she wasn't you know, she was, she really was in the process of dying. So she wasn't eating. They could get her to take a sip of, you know, a little liquid uh, fluid, but not much and not much action reaction. And he came up to her and I don't, I don't remember what he said. He said something and it was clear. She, she opened her eyes. She recognized that voice and she, she got up a little bit and just started making these noises and reaching her hand out. I said, oh dear God, that that's love in the animal kingdom between a human being and a gorilla. Um, I mean, just, you know, and it was like, oh, now she can die in peace. Mm. Now she can die, she knows she's loved. I mean, you know, I mean, that, you see that? So anyway, that's a long way of, a long answer. I just think there's more there that I hadn't paid attention to that then becomes a parable. It's kind of like Aesop's fables and, or a parable of for us as human beings. Um, and so I've, yeah, I haven't, I've just told you two stories I've never done in sermons, neither one of them, but stay tuned. <laughs> well, thank you so much for those powerful illustrations and your powerful words today. I really, really appreciate your time. Oh, Rebecca, you're doing what this is important. And I mean, I mean, not, not me, but what you're doing is important and thank you for doing it. And you've been doing it since I met you, uh, how many years ago it was when you were a sophomore in high school. Yeah, thank you so much. And I really, you know, cherish, you know, all the time that you've given me over the years. Oh, glad to do it, (laughs) glad to do it. Yeah, and I hope we can, of course, stay in touch, you know, and talk again in the future. Sure, whenever you wanna interview me or whatever, I'm around. (laughs) We'll start our own podcast. That, that sounds good. <laughs> oh, oh, great, Rebecca. Thank you. Have a great day, Bishop. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.